Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the 4040 Vision podcast. We're so excited to get into today's episode, but before we do, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to the 4040 Vision podcast. I'm your host, Colette Abdallah, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Salman Huck. What's up, man? How you doing? Yo, what's going on, man? Not much, not much. So we are just uh, wrapping up NFL Draft Weekend, and with that spirit, we are doing similar to what we did earlier on another episode where we picked basically an all-decade team from the year 1990 to 1999. And this time, we're doing a half-decade team just because there is so much talent in the NFL. It was an almost impossible task to narrow it down to uh, a couple roster spots basically for an entire decade. So we're doing an all-half-decade team of guys drafted exclusively from the year 2000 to the year 2004. So it's going to be a similar format to the NFL's all-decade team, but we're going to be drafting a quarterback, a running back, two wide receivers, a tight end, a flex spot, two offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, two linebackers, two cornerbacks, and a safety. So again, keep it in mind that we are only drafting guys from the year 2000 to the year 2004, and Another clarification needs to be made is that Salman got first pick on every single position. (laughs) Make sure you guys know that. Uh, We'll be going back and forth, of course, but he had first dibs on all the positions. So, for example, the two wide receivers, he was able to grab those guys before I had a chance to. And on our next half-decade team, I'll definitely get first pick because it's only fair. So without further ado, we will start with Salman and your quarterback. I mean, it is the GOAT Tom Brady here, right? Um, one of probably the greatest quarterback of all time. He drafted there in 2000, pick round six, pick 199 by the Patriots. And, you know, his resume is just amazing. Seven-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time NFL MVP, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, six-time All-Pro, 15-time Pro Bowler, part of two all-decade teams in the 2000s and 2010s. Holds the NFL record for QB wins, passing touchdowns, yards, attempts, completions, longest touchdown pass in the game. And, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer and arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. So a no-brainer pick there for me, call it. I, I wouldn't even say arguably. I think at one point it maybe was arguable. Uh, you could have but now, argued. Yeah, now it's not anymore. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you could have argued Joe Montana at some point. You could have argued Peyton Manning at one point, uh, Aaron Rodgers. But I think... After, for me personally, it was after the Falcon Super Bowl where he became cemented as the GOAT. And then, of course, he adds on top of that the Tampa Bay Super Bowl just just for kicks. Like, he didn't need that one. (laughs) He didn't need that one at all, yeah. Yeah, he showed us without a shadow of a doubt that, you know, it it was – he was the system. You know, credit to Bill Belichick for building an incredible defense all those years, but – We've seen where Bill Belichick has been the last few years, and we've seen where you know Tom Tom Brady, Tampa Tom, has been the last few years. So that no brainer. Um, my pick was a little bit more difficult, and there's a number of quarterbacks that I considered. So again, we're going from 2000 to 2004. So you had guys like Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, uh, Carson Palmer. Throw him in there for fun. And the guy I ended up picking was Drew Brees. So he was drafted in 2001, 32nd overall in the, so the first pick of the second round of the NFL didn't have 32 teams just yet. 
but he's drafted by the San Diego Chargers. And his resume is not obviously as uh, impressive as uh, Tom Brady's. And he has one Super Bowl compared to Ben Roethlisberger's two, Eli Manning's two. So I think what had me pick him was just the raw numbers that he put up and the excellence that he displayed for so long. And I think if the Saints were just a little bit luckier, then I think he could have ended up with another Super Bowl or two. Uh, if you remember that famous play with the uh, the pass interference against the Rams and a couple other inexplicable playoff losses where it really hurt his overall legacy that kept him from entering like that top five GOAT conversation. But I, I think it's it's pretty clear that he's the second best quarterback in this class, despite not having that second Super Bowl. What do you think? Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you there. Um, I think Drew Brees for me is clearly the second most talented quarterback in, in out of these draft classes here. And I think, yeah, if he if he gets a couple more breaks his way, he probably has another Super Bowl. Maybe I don't know what his career looks like if he actually did end up signing with the Dolphins uh, after he left the Chargers. Maybe he has I don't know. Maybe he has Super Bowls up from the Dolphins, but definitely. Brees had an amazing career, and he's definitely worthy of being the quarterback here. I doubt he gets a Super Bowl in Miami. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the Miami roster looks like. I forget, but yeah. Well, he would have had to play Tom Brady twice a year. That's so. right. Look, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's but a, that's you remember big... Brady got? Remember? Remember Brady like in, like tore his ACL right in one of those seasons when. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that was the the, the clear path for the the Dolphins at that point, where they were running the Wildcat and that. But um, yeah, he. Hurts his shoulder in San Diego. Uh, he gets replaced by Philip Rivers, and he ends up in New Orleans, and he becomes like the franchise player in New Orleans. When you think of the Saints, you definitely think of him. And all that he achieved, his importance to the franchise goes beyond the field with Hurricane Katrina, all that good stuff. You can go on and on and on about him. Um, and now it's going to be Derek Carr's team. So uh, let's see where that goes. <laughs> um, all right. So now, again, uh, Salman had first pick for both wide receivers, but we'll just go with his first one. So it's all you. My first one here was Larry Fitzgerald, a guy who was taken in 2004 with the fifth overall pick by the Cardinals, another uh, soon-to-be Hall of Famer. He has a three, he's three times All-Pro, 11-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL receptions leader, and two-times receiving touchdowns leader. He's a member of the 2010s All-Decade team and the NFL 100th Anniversary All-Time team. And he's second all-time in career receptions, receiving yards, and sixth in receiving touchdowns. So, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, another kind of no-brainer pick here. Uh, one of the best wide receivers coming out of these uh, draft classes. I remember when we did the uh, draft, was it the 04 draft? And we talked about all of his career achievements. And honestly, aside from the Super Bowls and aside from the playoff performances which obviously were not his fault because of the quarterbacks that he was playing with he really is this generation's jerry rice with the longevity yeah with the consistency with the demeanor you know i'm not saying he is jerry rice but if you look at the all-time receptions leaders all-time touchdowns leaders he's not i mean he's far off because everybody's far off jerry rice is like a, a full career ahead of everybody else but I think that Larry is, is a pretty close second in terms of all that stuff. And again, in terms of demeanor and all that as well. So you, you, I won't spoil your second pick, but you took another guy, which you know what your second pick. Um, I don't know if I would have picked him over my guy and the guy that I picked for my number one receiver 
is Steve Smith Sr. So he was drafted in 2001, uh, 74th overall, so the third round to the Carolina Panthers. And he was just dynamite. He was a, a little dude with a lot of heart, and he put up massive numbers his entire career, whether it was with Carolina or or Baltimore. And he had a really long career, much longer than I think people expected, obviously, when, when he got drafted. So he's a four-time All-Pro, which is saying something considering some of the other guys that he played with you know, in, in this era. Um, five-time Pro Bowler. He's in a member of the 1,000 Catch Club and a member of the uh, 14,000 plus catch uh, receiving yards club. So he is a surefire hall of famer. I think that uh, the NFL is, is pretty difficult when it comes to receivers, but I'm, I consider him a, a future hall of famer for sure. What do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely think Steve Smith will be a future hall of famer um, though. They're, they're getting a lot of wide receivers out, out there that are putting up numbers. So he may be, I think he'll be like a, one of those fringe Hall of Famers, but he'll get in. I, I agree with you. And it's so there. difficult, man. They make it's it really, so hard yeah. on these receivers. Like even Terrell so many Owens, of them. it took him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, in this era, I think if you're looking at guys from like 2015 on, then you definitely have to be skeptical of the numbers a little bit. But this guy came in the league in 2001. So this is pre, you know, where five, 4,500, 5,000 yards became normal. So I think you grade him on, on that curve versus this curve where everybody's getting a thousand yards. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. So All right, I think back over to on you. that, yeah. The reason why Steve Smith was still on the board, I was just trying to be a little nice, leave you some quality players. <laughs> um, I got you. I, I, I also liked Reggie Wayne a lot. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take a little bit more bias pick here and just take Reggie Wayne. Uh, it definitely was between Steve Smith and Reggie Wayne for my second choice. And, you know, Reggie Wayne, I think he was drafted in 2001 uh, and he went, 30th overall, had a great career with the Colts. He was a three-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler. He led the NFL in receiving yards in 2007. And if you look at some of his career stats, he's 10th all-time in receptions and yards, and then 24th all-time in career touchdowns. And he was a great one-two punch with Marvin Harrison. I think Reggie Wayne is probably another borderline Hall of Famer type receiver. I don't know if he'd get in, but he'd definitely be on the ballots and maybe sneak in there after a couple of uh, nominations. So... What do you think about that? I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. He's in the Hall of very, very good. Uh, I think that because he was overshadowed consistently by Marvin Harrison and the fact that he played, I want to say, all of his career. I think he had a, a quick cameo on the Patriots, but he played his entire career with Peyton Manning. And I think that hurts his case a little bit because he played with Peyton Manning and that's the most statistically accomplished quarterback of all time, aside from the two guys that we already mentioned. Uh, so I think that hurts his candidacy. And I think he's just like, again, the hall of very good. He's going to be in the Colts ring of honor if he isn't already. And he'll be remembered for everything that he did, but I don't think he's quite hall of fame level. That's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> I could see him maybe getting some nominations. So I don't know if he makes it quite there, but it's, yeah, he'll get nominated, but I don't think he'll get in. And that's, yeah. I think, reminiscent of of my guy. So the the second receiver I picked, just one of my favorite players to watch. Period, um, and that is Anquan Bolden. So uh, came out of Florida State. He was picked fifty uh, fourth overall, so the third round um, in two thousand three by the Arizona Cardinals, and just one of the toughest guys to ever play the position. I think it's fair to say, and I think 
I guess it looks like both of my guys are just bulldogs out there playing wide receiver. You definitely think of, of wide receiver as a more uh, finesse position, but my guys played it with a level of ferocity and intensity that you don't see much at that position. Um, I remember him pairing up with Larry Fitzgerald. So your guy, and they just formed an incredible duo of just that, you know, finesse and skill that, that Larry had, and then the sheer power and strength that uh, Bolden brought to the game. And he played receiver like like guys play running back, basically. Um, and he's he still put up a ton of numbers. Uh, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. He had 13,000 yards, and he also had 1,000-plus catches. So he he combined that ferocity and that intensity, of course, with putting up big, massive numbers. And I think he played a game with a broken face and did all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So... Um, I, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer either. Do you think so? Yeah, <clears throat> I think he's probably miss just missing the Hall of Fame. He's uh, he's he's right there, but I don't think he I don't think he'd make it in just because of uh, his his numbers aren't as like flashy as some of the other guys. But he was a very good wide receiver. Loved his time on the Niners. Um, could you imagine him in this this era? He might be he might be used like a running back like Debo Samuel's is sometimes. So even though it's crazy because yeah. him coming out, he was super. He was considered slow. He ran like a 4.78, something like that on his 40. And people were like, oh, he's slow. But then it turned out he was much faster than his 40 dash time. But I could definitely see Bolden. Yeah, he had used. like game speed. He had game speed for sure, yeah. And so, yeah, just a tough guy. Loved that pick and, you know, loved him as a Niner. And he did hated him as a Cardinal, but loved him as a Niner. So, <laughs> Yep. All right, back over to you. All right. Uh, so moving on to running back here. Um, <clears throat> I'm taking one of the greatest running backs uh, we've got to witness in our generation, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson here. One of the best uh, running backs to do it. He was drafted 2001 with the fifth overall pick. Um, <clears throat> and I think he's one of the last kind of true workhorse backs you see coming out of the in, into the NFL. He's, he's like kind of the last of that dying breed. He was, he was NFL MVP. He was a six-time All-Pro um, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL rushing yards leader, three times rushing touchdowns leader, and he led the NFL in scoring in 2006, which is pretty crazy because I think most of the time it ends up being like kickers and stuff like that. So for LT to lead the NFL in scoring in 2006 was a pretty big deal. And then he's a member of the 2000s All-Decade team. He also holds the NFL record for most rushing touchdowns in a season with 28 and most touchdowns from scrimmage with 31 and most consecutive games with a touchdown, which was 18. And he's already a Hall of Famer. So I think one of the last two running backs you see here that, you know, was a workhorse, did everything, and just, you know, also was a just like workhorse back and, you know, great fantasy mm-hmm. guy as well. So uh, <clears throat> yeah. that's my pick. He's one of those guys, uh, a no-brainer, obviously. Um, he's one of those guys, uh, especially on fantasy, that could uh, get you points a number of ways. I don't know how many career passing touchdowns he has. Maybe you could look that up. But I remember he had a few passing touchdowns. And as a Raiders fan, I loved watching this guy play because he was so damn good. And he was just – the he, he looked like Barry Sanders at times. He was running over guys like – I don't know, like Jerome Bettis at times. And he was just an incredible guy to watch. Uh, but I also hated watching him because he would absolutely destroy my team twice a year. So uh, definitely a love-hate relationship. It was one of those things where you appreciate it a little more after the fact. And you definitely appreciate it more if he was on your fantasy team. Um, and that one year, I think he had, was it 20 touchdowns? Was that the year he won MVP? 
Yeah, I think it's the same something year. Like yep. that. <clears throat> something yeah, like yeah. That. And he's thrown Just for seven in, in, touchdowns. He's thrown for seven touchdowns. There you go. That's probably more than like Josh Rosen and some other guys <laughs> <laughs> been picked in the top ten. So yeah, no brainer. I knew you were going to take him. Um, so my pick, there is there's an, a a lot of running backs that uh, are definitely a few tiers below uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. And I lean towards Steven Jackson initially because of his consistency and all that. But I think in terms of like sheer talent and in terms of guys that are really, really fun to watch, I went with uh, Jamal Lewis. Uh, So he went, um, he was, let's see, uh, first, sorry, fifth overall to the Baltimore Ravens. So this was, you know, back when running back still went in the top 10 pretty often uh, in the year 2000. And he was just he was so damn fun to watch, man. He was huge. He would run over guys. He would run past guys. Um, he was, you know, part of that Super Bowl championship team. He had two thousand. He had a two thousand yard season in sixteen games, which is incredible. Um, Ten thousand yards total, which I think is kind of my benchmark personally for a, a great running backs. There's once if you look at that list, once you hit ten k, it's like okay, this guy was great for some period of time. Uh, Let's see, he was a pro bowler, an all-pro, and he's a member of the 2000s all-decade team. So I'm not the only one that thinks that he was this special because, you know, all the, the NFL writers think so too. And, yeah, just an incredible guy to watch, and just he could just blow games open at any point in time, and it was it was a delight to watch him play. Yeah, I remember watching Jamal Lewis play, and you'd always like look at him and like, oh man, this guy's kind of like a hef- kind of heftier running back, and then he would just like break a break a run. And you're like, damn, he's got that kind of speed too, and uh, that's what I remember about Jamal Lewis. Like I always remember he like he looked chunkier than he actually was. I don't know if it's all the padding he was wearing. Yeah, maybe it was the pads because you know the the early two thousands, late nineties, they still had the big pads. But yeah, I think yeah, he's also maybe. just a big dude. Yeah, he's just so a big dude. but he was fast yeah. man for his size, so. And made yeah you made for entertainment, and he used yards. to bowl over people sometimes too. So it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, you don't get two thousand yards without you know breaking off a couple, more than a couple seventy, eighty, ninety yard runs. Uh, yeah. All right. So we only picked one running back. Maybe we should have picked two, but we have do have the flex position. So uh, it's back over to you to pick your tight end. Yeah, tight end. I went Jason Witten here. He was drafted in two thousand three. He went round three, pick sixty nine, for. Uh, and was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. He's a four-time All-Pro, 11-time Pro Bowler, and holds the record for most career games for a tight end. Just overall, you know, Witten was a solid overall tight end that had a good career with the Cowboys, and I would say maybe he's a borderline Hall of Famer. He is 20th all-time in career yards among all, you know, pass catchers, if you're including wide receivers and running backs, as well as fourth all-time in receptions and tied for 40th all-time in career touchdowns. So just had a sheer amount of uh, receptions there for the Cowboys and was a Cowboy for a very long time and just had a very good, solid overall career. I don't know if you would say he is a surefire Hall of Famer, but I think you can make a case that he might be a Hall of Famer. I'd say maybe probably because I think because he played for the Cowboys that helps his profile um, and he was really good for a really long time I don't know if he was ever the best tight end in the league but I think that you know the, the all pro on its own that that shows that he's one of the best so that's hard to say I, I think he is I think because you compare his when you compare his numbers you're looking at wide receivers you're not looking at other tight ends He's like uh, 
it's like him, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, it's going to be, you know, like Gronk. I don't know if his career numbers are quite as impressive. I think he was more of the playoff guy. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey. Like those guys, they're in a class above. They're in a different class. You're not comparing them with with other tight ends. So I'd say maybe, but most likely. Yeah, <laughs> most, yeah, yeah most, most likely he gets in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it, it's b- besides him, there's not much else going on here at, at tight end. Um, I dug and I dug and I dug and I came up with names like uh, Randy McMichael. If you remember him, um, Benjamin Watson, if you remember him, he was in the league for like 20 years. I don't think he ever had more than six, 700 yards. Uh, Jeremy Shockey was a name. I think he has the most uh, yards out of all these guys. Uh, but the name I ended up with was Dallas Clark. So he was drafted in 2003, 24th overall um, out of Iowa to the Indianapolis Colts. And he benefited, of course, from playing with um, – Peyton Manning for the majority of his career. I think he had a, the end of his career. He played in Tampa and one other place. But you know what's funny is I I could have sworn that he played in in Denver too, and I was like, did he play in Denver with Peyton Manning? But it ended up being Owen Daniels. <laughs> I looked it up, but they look very similar. You know, uh, one thing I loved about Dallas Clark was that he never wore gloves. He he would do like the the old school finger taping on all the knuckles, which I thought was really cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, nothing too special about him, honestly. One All Pro, one Pro Bowl, fifty three touchdowns, fifty six hundred yards. So he's he's probably a uh, a Colts Ring of Honor guy because he won that. He's on that Super Bowl team, but he is by no measure a, a Hall of Famer. So yeah, no. Just, Do you remember him? <laughs> I definitely remember him. He he was one of the few tight ends that didn't wear like a in the eighties at that time. He was wearing like forty four or something like that, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, forty four. That was like, another thing that made him stand out. That made him stand out, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, he kind of reminded me as a bit like Mike Allstott. He kind of looked like him, so. Yeah, he had a similar build. Um, he's like, you know, there's just the white tight ends that kind of look the same. And that's <laughs> why I was like, yeah, yeah. I, Dallas Clark, he was on those Broncos teams. He was on that Broncos Super Bowl team. But again, it was no, yeah, Daniel, he, was pro- so. he was probably retired long by then, Dallas Clark, I think. He might have been, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we just finished our uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, and now we have our flex position. So back over to you. So for the flex position, I took Andre Johnson, the wide receiver. He was drafted in 2003 with pick number three by the Texans. And, you know, I I, I was like, oh, maybe I should have taken him earlier here, but he, he has a pretty decent resume here, four-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler. And, you know, I think he put up, great numbers despite the mediocre QBs he had in Houston. He had Matt, Matt Schaub for a couple of years, but before that, you know, like David Carr and those guys, just not great quarterbacks for him. Um, <clears throat> he led the NFL interceptions two times uh, for the season and then two times in receiving yards as well and is in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. He has a, he's 11th all-time in career receptions and receiving yards, and I think this is kind of where he gets dinged as his career touchdowns. He's tied for 49th with 70. He could, you can make a case. He's probably another one of these borderline, maybe Hall of Fame type wide receiver. Uh, maybe, maybe he is ahead of Reggie Wayne. I don't know, but I, I thought he was another solid guy that I had to add on the ro- have to add on the roster here. So I took him here. Mm-hmm. He, he's had a very similar career to Larry Fitzgerald without that one Super Bowl run. Uh, so he's an incredible wide receiver. Uh, another really tough guy great player and yeah just suffered from playing with really bad quarterbacks 
for a long, long time. Um, and then got washed up pretty quickly at the end of his career. But yeah, he was a great receiver and just, I, I don't know if he's a hall of famer. I, I'm going to say no. I think it's just, there's too much of a log jam. I think at that level, I agree. Just like I agree. Not, it's too much. Yeah. You're not quite great enough. You know, the all pros maybe could, could, could catapult him into that discussion, but yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so my flex, I went with a running back and that is Sean Alexander. So this guy was drafted uh, year 2000, 19th overall uh, by the Seattle Seahawks. And he was actually drafted by the Seahawks when they were still in the AFC West. So I remember his rookie year when they had the older uniforms with the like, you know, lighter blue than they have now and the neon green, uh, just lighting up the Raiders for something like 200 yards and three touchdowns on a Monday night where I was watching it on the, you know, big old tube TV back in the year 2000. Uh, and he was just, he, he was similar to Jamal Lewis where he didn't have a super long career like uh, Steven Jackson, the other name that comes up, but he had an incredible peak and he's one of the few running backs in the NFL, NFL history that have won MVP. I believe he won it in 2005. Uh, he was offensive player of the year at one point. Um, he's a member of the 2000s all decade team as well as Jamal Lewis two-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler. So if you look at him, his like career total numbers are not that crazy, but he also had like an 1,800-yard season, and he was just, again, that, that MVP year where he was the best player in the league. So it, it's hard to, to turn that down. But Hall of Fame, I say no. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm going to agree with you on that. I think he just didn't play long enough, right? I, I think he played maybe maximum 10 years, I, I, if I remember this correctly. He played like 10 years. Something like that. I, I think Something he like only that. played in Seattle, and then he had a quick show with the Washington. Yeah, he was washed I, up I, by then, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had, his like prime was like four years. He was like in his prime for like four or five years. And, then, and, that's, and that's when you started seeing running backs start declining quicker and things like that, so... Uh, I, I, I agree with you. He didn't have, he didn't have a long enough career or he didn't put up enough stats over his like long career to get him into the Hall of Fame, but he had a very, very good prime years. Alrighty. So we just did all of our skill position guys. And then of course we got to show some love to the big guys and I'll let you pick your uh, offensive lineman. So with my first offensive line in, I went Steve Hutchinson. He was drafted in 2001 with pick 11 by the Seahawks. Um, he's a seven-time All-Pro and seven-time Pro Bowler. He's a 2000s NFL All-Decade team member. He's just an all-time you know guard who had a great career with both the Seahawks and the Vikings. Over his 12-year career, this is kind of surprising, he only had a total of 19 penalties accepted on him. That's 169 games where he played and only 19 accepted penalties. So clearly this was a guy who's just one of the best at his positions, and he did it for... Uh, a 12-year career, and he he was just really good. So that was my pick there. You picked the only Hall of Famer so far. Yes, yes. <laughs> <On this. laughs> so far. Uh, maybe maybe your other pick will get in. Um, I don't think either of my guys will get in. Uh, but, you know, once you picked Hutchinson, it was the cupboard was pretty bare. Uh, there was a couple other guys I kind of eyeballed, um, and I went with one interior, one uh, tackle. So my interior lineman is going to be Chris Snee. Um, so he was drafted uh, 34th overall in 2004 by the New York Giants. Ended up being a four-time All-Pro, or sorry, four-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, 
and a two-time Super Bowl champ. So he was the starting center, I believe, for the Giants uh, during those two Super Bowls they won with Eli Manning. So definitely not a Hall of Famer, just a guy that's probably in the Giants ring of honor if they have one. And just a, a you know great player, solid player. We're more than solid player, but again, just not a, not a Hall of Fame level. So who is your uh, your offensive tackle or your exterior offensive lineman? Yeah, I went with Jason Peters, who uh, went undrafted in 2004, and the Bills picked him up. He started off pretty well with the Bills there. I think he was a played tight end or something like that in college, and then he moved over to lineman. Uh, but he he's a six-time All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, a member of the 2010s All-Decade team. And he's played uh, 18 years in the NFL here, most recently last year with the Dallas Cowboys. He's just one of the best left tackles in the game, and I think he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer once he retires. He's just been that dominant of a force uh, in his career. So I think Jason Peters will eventually be in the Hall of Fame once he decides to retire. He was such a fun story. Yeah, it was like you talked about, or like you mentioned, um, the, he came up also during our uh, 2004 uh, NFL redraft, and I didn't realize that he went undrafted at the time. I didn't realize that he played tight end in college, I believe, at Arkansas. He was a big tight end. He was one of those big blocking tight ends, but uh, just an incredible story to transition from playing tight end to being one of the best left tackles you know, of this era in NFL history. And yeah, he's more than likely a Hall of Famer, especially because he's probably the only guy still active from the 2004 draft, I want to say, <laughs> with some yeah, some degree of so. certainty. Um, after Yeah, after Ben Roethlisberger uh, retired last year. Maybe there's a kicker or something. Who knows? It's always like a kicker or punter or something that hangs around for yeah, 25 years. Yeah, we don't uh, count them. We don't count them. <laughs> it's just a different, different measuring stick. Exactly. Um, so the offensive tackle that I went with is uh, Matt Light. So he was drafted in 2001, 48th overall by the New England Patriots. And he had a long and storied career, again, with the Patriots. He played... Uh, 10 years for them, and he won two Super Bowls, was a first-team All-Pro once, a three-time Pro Bowler, and just a, a guy that you associate automatically with Tom Brady and those early-era Patriots teams because he did retire in 2011, so he missed that second wave of the dynasty, which is totally fine for an offensive lineman. Uh, but just, yeah, again, Tom Brady's left tackle, so kudos to him. He gets a lot of credit for that. Uh, yeah, that's it for our offense. So we'll jump over to the defensive side of the ball. And the way we did it was uh, one defensive tackle and one defensive end. So I'll let you pick your defensive tackle. My defensive tackle here is Kevin Williams. He was drafted in 2003, pick number nine of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, pretty pretty solid uh, resume here. He's a five-time All-Pro first team and he's a six-time Pro Bowler and a member of the 2000s All-Decade team. He has a career 68 sacks, which ranks him 125th all-time and has 113 career tackles for loss, which would rank him 34th all-time. And I think just Kevin Williams is just that defensive tackle that you want to anchor your interior defensive lineman. He was good against the pass. He was good against the run. Uh, just a guy you could really build around on that line, and that's why I took him here. I remember him. He was just dominant, absolutely dominant, and really versatile um, with the the tackles and the sacks and doing stuff that you don't see too often from a, a defensive tackle. Um, so I cheated a little bit here. Not I don't want to say cheat. I struggled a little bit with this pick because 
honestly, there's a couple guys you could have gone with. Uh, one guy I considered was Vince Wolfork. He's a future Hall of Famer, if not already. I don't think – is he already? He might be. No, maybe not. No, I don't think he is. Anyway. I don't think he is. Yeah, he was uh, the anchor for the Patriots for a long time, and he was one of the great players. Uh, but I cheated a little bit, and I went with a guy that was r- uh, listed as a defensive end for m- most of his career, I want to say. But when I think of him, I think of him as a defensive tackle. And he was listed as a defensive tackle for, i say, the last four years of his career. And I think because of his build and the way that he looks, he just looks like a defensive tackle. He's not your uh, – you know, pass rushing defensive end. So, and that is uh, Richard Seymour. So he's 6'6", 315, 320. Like that's not a defensive end. You know what I'm saying? That's like a... That's like the hybrid. Niners listing Eric Armstead as a defensive end. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He's like a 3-4 D end. He's a guy that can play, you know, both inside and outside. Uh, but I think his most dominant play came in the interior. And I think that shows with like the number of sacks that he has and stuff. He never had a double digit sack season, which is something you expect from um, a, a pro bowl or, or hall of fame level uh, defensive. end. he did have a couple eight sack seasons, but he is in the hall of fame. He just got in uh, last year, I believe, but he is one of the most decorated players on this list. He is a three time super bowl champ, five time all pro seven time pro bowler and a member of the uh, two thousand, I believe, two thousands all decade team, uh, also a Raider. So I'm a little bit biased, and it's, I'm glad I was able to sneak in a Raider on this trip. Well, not just one, a couple. But despite the struggles of the team during this era, it was nice to have uh, you know a couple guys in here. So a little bit biased of a pick, but I don't know. Do you think I, I went wrong by picking uh, Seymour over Wilfork? No, I think that's fair. I mean, considering Seymour's impact was. Yeah, he was a defensive end, but a lot of his production came when he shifted into the interior. It's like it's like saying Eric Armstead is a defensive end, but really he plays a majority of his snaps on as a DT. So I I, I like it. I like the pick there. It's a good pick. Yeah, he's like Chris Jones, who is definitely a defensive tackle, but can line up outside just as often, and he's a great pass rusher no matter where he's coming from. So, yeah, similar hybrid type player. Uh, so, yeah, who is your defensive end? I think this is another no-brainer. Yeah, another no-brainer guy here. Uh, we're going to go with Julius Peppers, uh, drafted in 2002. He was the number two pick there, uh, was taken by the Panthers. He won Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's a six-time All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, member of the 2000s and 2010s All-Decade team. He has 59 and a half sacks for his career, which makes him top four all-time in the official count and top five in the unofficial count. He has 52 forced fumbles, which would make him number two all-time in that stat, and 175 tackles for a loss, which would make him number three all-time in that stat. So he's just one of the best defensive ends all-time. Uh, I believe he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but he definitely will be a future Hall of Famer. And so that was a no-brainer pick for me there, Holland. I, I absolutely love Julius Peppers. He was dynamite, dude. Just an in- incredible player, incredible athlete. He really like set the bar for what a defensive end could be athletically. Um, it didn't hurt that he played college basketball at, at UNC as well. I don't know if he could have gone. Maybe he could have gone pro. I remember there was a discussion a couple, maybe last week or so on Twitter about, uh, I think it was um, Paul George on a podcast said that there are some NBA players that could play in the NFL, but there aren't a single, there isn't a single NFL player that could play in the NBA because of the skill required. 
And then I thought about guys like Tony Gonzalez, Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates, Charlie Ward, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, a, I think, a couple I, guys. I don't know what Paul George played. is talking about, man. He would have been hurt the first play of his NFL career. Like, <laughs> dude needs to chill. Even that. I'm like, come on. You're looking at the NBA players, n- not even LeBron. I'm talking about Nate Robinson. I mean, some of these cornerbacks are like 5'9", 175. Like, you're telling me that a 6'1", 190 point guard can't last in the NFL. You know, it's like he's going to go play nose tackle or something. But anyway, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we so, digress. That's a uh, pod for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's let's make note of that. I think that's a good good topic. Uh, yeah, Julius Peppers, dynamite man, uh, just a, a freak of a player. Uh, he played for who did he play for? Uh, Green Bay, Char- uh, uh, Carolina. I want to say most of his career was Carolina. Somebody. Yeah, yeah, most of his career was Carolina. He was on that Super Bowl. Not Super Bowl winning team, but the team that made the Super Bowl uh, with Steve Smith. Just an incredible player. Just a really cool player uh, to root for. Uh, so the guy I went with um, – so this is one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, pick Richard Seymour at defensive tackle is because I wanted to pick Dwight Freeney uh, with my defensive end. So he went uh, 11th overall in 2002 out of Syracuse to the Colts. He had a long NFL career. He played – uh, for 11 years in Indianapolis, played in San Diego, Arizona, Atlanta. But he bounced around a little bit. But he's a guy that is a seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champ, member of the 2000s you know, Hall of Fame team or All-Decade team. I think he's probably going to get into the Hall of Fame eventually. I think the Hall of Fame is notoriously strict with these pass rushers. For whatever reason, it's kind of like the defensive equivalent of a safety, where or sorry, of a wide receiver, where they just they're just really harsh on them for whatever reason. But he had, you know, uh, six six or seven actually uh, double digit sack seasons. He had a sixteen sack season, and he is eighteenth all time in official sacks. I know there's a little bit of a a difference between the unofficial and official count, but top twenty all time, one hundred twenty five and a half. Just about everybody in front of him is a Hall of Famer or will be a Hall of Famer at some point. So I I think he gets in. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think he gets in. Um, I mean, that ten year stretch with the Colts that was he was pretty dominant at that time. I'm I I thought he I couldn't even remember what other teams he was on after the Colts, but turns out he played uh, another like five seasons after that. And I was like, what? I don't even remember him. <laughs> yeah. The only memorable one was he had a couple good years with, with San Diego, but that was, yeah, everything he only else played was one, like, he only, he only played one year with San Diego. Apparently he only played 2013, 2014. So. Yeah. Like, do crazy. you, I mean, that that's kind of what happens with these old pass rushers, right? They hang around like a couple years and just bounce around. Right. Play, yeah. Like, I mean, who's going to, who's going to remember Juan Von Miller on the bills, right? Nobody's going to remember that. Well, we'll see. We'll see how he does next year. But <laughs> it, if it could end up being like that. But, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of times these guys, they play one or two more years, just like, you know, they get three, four sacks in, in a season and, and call it a career. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he will get in eventually. Uh, so that's it for our defensive linemen. So we're going to pick two linebackers. So uh, I'll go ahead and pass it to you. All right. So my first linebacker here is Brian Erlacher. He was drafted in 2000 with the ninth overall pick by the Bears. He was the defensive player of the year in 2005. He's a five-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, member of the 2000s All-Decade team. He 
He has 1,045 career solo tackles, which puts him ninth all-time in that category, and has 138 tackles for a loss, which makes him 13th all-time. And, you know, when you think of Brian Urlacher, you think of that nasty Bears defense, and he was the anchor for that, and part of the reason why they were able to take a guy like Rex Grossman to the Super Bowl. So I think, um, and, and, and he's a Hall of Famer, so Urlacher, you know, I think he could have been even higher on the tackles list if he just managed to play maybe another two, three years, but I think he... I think he kind of picked the right time to retire where he was still somewhat in his prime, maybe just falling off at that point, and then he decided to walk away from the game. So, But I think, you know, Erlacher, another no-brainer pick here at linebacker. Absolutely, yeah. He's a, another guy that changed positions coming out of college. Um, I think he went to New Mexico, and he was a safety. Um, put on some pounds, put on some weight, and, of course, got, uh, you know, had an incredible career with the Bears, and he followed that... Derek Brooks, like prototypical Tampa two linebacker, middle linebacker, I should say, that could, you know, lay the wood and knock knock running backs out, and then cover a tight end up the seam like thirty yards downfield. So I think of like he's like the early prototype for guys like Luke Keekley and uh, Fred Warner that we see in the league today, where he's just a still a big dude and able to hold up and withstand the punishment that comes with playing middle linebacker, but can also cover down the field. So yeah, he is already a Hall of Famer. And the guy that I picked is actually uh, was his teammate for a long time in Chicago. And that is Lance Briggs, which is you talked about that nasty bears defense. It only makes sense that they had two of the four linebackers that were picking here because they were just incredible. And that's just what the bears do. They just, you know, draft incredible defense players and do all that. So uh, Lance Briggs, he went uh, 68th overall in 2003 out of Arizona. Uh, he also went to Elk Grove high school. So shout out Elk Grove. And he had a long, long resume. He was um, a three-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, not quite a Super Bowl champion. Uh, he was he's 18th overall or 18th all-time in uh, tackles, not quite in the thousand tackle club, just outside that's the solo tackles. I mean, combined tackles—that's a whole different story. But a fearsome player. He was to me he. Erlacher, I don't want to say Erlacher was the finesse guy, but Erlacher was like the cover guy, and Lance Briggs was the tough guy. He was the guy that was going to knock you out coming across the field, and he was going to chase down running backs. So I, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's just a Bears Hall of Famer, not a pro football Hall of Famer. What do you think? I agree with that. Yeah, I think he's probably not getting into the Hall of Fame, but definitely the Bears honor him with their Ring of uh, Ring of Honor or whatever they have there, but... I don't think he makes the Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah, not every team has it. Like the Raiders don't have a ring. Of yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Some teams have it, some don't. I don't know how they determine that, but it's it's weird. I, I think part of it is the Raiders don't retire numbers, so they don't have a ring of honor. But if you go to Allegiant, they have like a wall of all their all-time great players. Mm-hmm. I think guys who ended up in the Hall of Fame, same idea. But yeah, yeah I don't think, again, like we said, I don't think he's quite a Hall of Famer. Um, so who is your other linebacker pick? My next pick here, it felt like I was cheating this a little bit, but he did play linebacker. Uh, Terrell Suggs, a.k.a. T-Sizzle. He was taken in 2003 with pick number 10 by the Ravens. He won Defensive Player of the Year in 2011. He's a two-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler. He also led the NFL in forced fumbles in 2011. He has 139 career sacks, which puts him eighth all-time. And has a 202 career tackles for loss, which uh, surprisingly makes him number one all time here. 
and he has 37 career force fumbles, which puts him 11th all time. And so, you know, so like when know you that. think That's of incredible. Self, yeah, yeah. So I was surprised to I didn't know he had that many career tackles uh, for a loss. So, yeah, when you think of Terrell Suggs, man, you think of that Ravens defense, and you know, you give me Terrell Suggs, you give me Julius Peppers, and I'm that those, those guys are just you know pinning their ears back and going after the quarterback, and that's making such a that would be such a nasty combination to put together. Let me ask you a trivia question. So he won one Super Bowl with the Ravens. Who did he win the second Super Bowl with? Ooh. He won a second Super Bowl. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he Damn. won a second uh, Super Bowl. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna think on this. I'm gonna think on this. Uh, no, I can't. So his can't his last year. So you know we talked about aging pass rushers. Um, so his last year he was 37. He played 13 games with the Arizona Cardinals and two regular season games with the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, what? I was like, because yeah. I was like, I remember him on the Cardinals. <laughs> And I didn't remember. I didn't know he signed with the Chiefs. Wow. Okay. Yeah, right. he was like a late season release and a waiver wire pickup by uh, or whatever. No, was, I mean, he, did he even play in that Super Bowl? Can we, can we really count? I that? don't know if he did. We can look at his game log. I'm actually going to look at his game log because I'm very curious. Uh, but at that point, he was 37. <laughs> I don't think he had any sacks that season. Maybe he did a couple, but. Uh, let's see. In the Super Bowl, he actually put up some stats. He played uh, 33 snaps on defense. So 57%. And he had uh, two tackles and one QB hit. So, oh, wow. Not bad. What, which year was this? Which year was this? This is 2019 when they beat the Niners. Oh, wow. I don't even remember him. I, that's, how I forget. <laughs> that's how much I forgot in that Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So you, I remember him. Cheated. I remember him when he, yeah, I remember when he beat us when he was on the Ravens. I remember that Super Bowl. But Th- that's him. funny. The that, there you go. His, uh, He's, his both two... wins against the Niners. Yeah, his two Super Bowl championships uh, came against the the Niners, so that's funny. Um, but yeah, he's we t- again we talked about the aging pass rushers bouncing around. He only had that one year where he bounced around, but he was on the the uh, Ravens for the rest of his career. You kind of cheated, but they always ran a three four, and he played off ball a lot of the time. I know he was basically a defensive end in college, so maybe you cheated, maybe you didn't, but whatever, it's all good. I cheated a little bit too. We're flexible here. Uh, he's listed as a linebacker. That's all that matters. Uh, so my second linebacker, uh, there was a couple other guys I considered. I think uh, Keith Bullock was one of them. Uh, but the guy that I ended up, we talked about him during his uh, during the redraft we did in 2004, and that's Carlos Dansby. So he was picked uh, 33rd overall, so in the second round, by the Arizona Cardinals. And he had a long career. He ended up playing for 16 years. Sorry, not 16 years. um, 13 years. Where's my math at? 13 years, which is still a long time for a middle linebacker. Um, And he's a guy that was never like a great player. He was a second-team All-Pro in 2013. He was never one of the greats, but he was really good for a really long time. And, again, we talked about him during uh, that uh, redraft pod. And he is actually seventh all time in solo tackles with 1,077. Uh, so everybody else in front of him, just about everybody else, is a borderline Hall of Famer. Maybe not like guys like Donnie Edwards and Lennon Fletcher, are like borderline. Uh, he's definitely not a Hall of Famer, <laughs> but he's just a he was a good player for a long time. He had that really memorable game against uh, I want to say it was the Packers. 
where he had the strip sack, strip sack slash strip interception against Aaron Rodgers in OT to win that game. So good player for a long time. Definitely not a great player, but it's pretty slim pickings after the three guys that we picked. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right. So we're getting down to the end here. So we're looking at our defensive backs. So uh, I'll go ahead and let you pick your first cornerback. My first cornerback here is Asante Samuels, who went in 2003 in round four with pick 120 to the Patriots. I think, you know, this cornerback class in these draft years is a little bit challenging as we'll as we'll see with some of our other picks, but Samuel was pretty good. He was a two-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler, and just an overall lockdown corner during his time. He led the NFL twice in interceptions during the season, once in 06 and once in 09. He has 51 career interceptions, which is 32nd all-time, as well as six interceptions for touchdowns, which is 20th all-time. I know he was a bit undersized, but he managed to be one of the, the best cornerbacks of this era. I think he's like 5'9", and so it's pretty surprising to see that he's He's been that he was that good during this era and he played pretty well. So I it's it's pretty hard to pick corners out here in this uh draft class, but I thought he was one of the better ones on the and, and I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but um I, I, but he's one of the better quarterbacks on uh, cornerbacks here on this list. I, I disagree with you. I think there's quite a few, but uh yeah, he was a, a pretty good player for a pretty long time. The memory that I'll always have of him was him dropping that surefire interception against the Giants in the Super Bowl. Um, so that hurts his legacy a little bit to me, <laughs> but he's still really good. Just a little uh, bit. Just is, a little bit. Yeah. His kid's in the his league kid is really he's pretty good. good. Yeah. Kid, his kid, uh, I don't think will surpass him, but uh, he might. Who knows? But yeah, he's a, he's a great player. Uh, so the guy that I went with um, is, um, thank you for leaving him on the board for me, by the way, um, and that is Namdi Asamoa. So another Raider. We actually got two Raiders on this list. And that, yeah, he was picked uh, in the first round, 31st overall in 2003 out of Cal. Took him a little bit to get started, uh, but his fourth year in the league, he was a second-team All-Pro. He had eight interceptions, just an incredible player. And after that, quarterbacks just stopped testing him. I remember those years that he was on the Raiders, on some really bad Raiders teams, and quarterbacks would just not throw to his side. They just wouldn't bother because he was so good. So he ended his career with only 15 interceptions in 11 years, but just a dominant player, one of the best press corners, man corners uh, in NFL history, I think it's fair to say. He just had an incredible build, long, lean, and he could guard anybody from tight ends to wide receivers, and he was, he was fast enough to guard some of the fastest wide receivers in the league. Fell off a bit at the end of his career, I think the Eagles tried to have him play zone. He's just not a zone corner. And then he had a brief uh, cameo with the 49ers where, again, he did not play all that well. I think he only played like two games for you guys that that uh, last year. But he had a really, really great peak. But um, he's uh, one of those guys that's one of the best Raiders defensive backs of all time, but definitely not a Hall of Fame level player. What do you think? Agreed. I mean, I think he had a very good, very, very good prime with the Raiders. Um, I mean, those were, that was like the guy you were like, okay, when you think of those, uh, 2000 Raiders, you're like the late 2000 Raiders, you're like, yeah, Namdi Asama shut down corner, right? That's, that's the first guy that comes to mind when you think of that, some of those Raider teams. So I agree with you. I don't think the there's any, guy. he might be the only guy I can't, I couldn't, I don't think I could name <laughs> you a single other Raider cornerback from like 2005 to 2010. So. 
Stanford route, uh, Fabian Washington. You can. Uh, I know you can. Uh, I know you can. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of really bad, really bad guys. Uh, yeah, so I'll pass it back to you for your second corner. My second guy here is uh, Terrence Newman, who was taken also in 2003 with the fifth overall pick by the Dallas Cowboys. I, w- I want to say, like, there's not any, I wouldn't say there's any Hall of Fame cornerbacks here in, in these draft classes, but there's some good, solid cornerbacks here. And I think, you know, Newman wasn't an, a, the lead guy. He wasn't probably worthy of that fifth overall pick, but he had a pretty good career. He had uh, 42 career interceptions, which is good for. 67th all-time and at 183 passes defended, which is good for fourth all-time. And he, yeah, and which is just two spots ahead of Asante Samuels, the guy I took as well. So he, overall, you know, very good cornerback. Very, uh, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's definitely one of the better cornerbacks here of this era. And, you know, he, he met, manned that side for the Cowboys for a long time and, you know, was a shutdown corner for quite some time. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't take D'Angelo Hall. Do you just not like D'Angelo Hall? A little bit, a little bit. I like Terrence Newman more than D'Angelo <laughs> Hall. I, okay. I don't know. And there's just like the antics of Deon, D'Angelo Hall. I just remember him like causing a stir when he's on the Falcons, on the Redskins. He always like was causing st- stuff. So as I'm going to go with yeah. Newman, who was more of the safer, you know, played one about his business. Uh, you know, teams didn't really throw at him because he was kind of considered the Cowboy shutdown guy. So. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see he has a lot of passes defended. So not maybe not enough interceptions, but a lot of passes defended. That's fair. That's fair. I, I considered like uh, maybe uh, who's the other guy? Nate Clements. I liked him a lot. Uh, Rasheen Mathis. I did think. Of, I, I, liked... I did think about Nate Clements. I was like, uh, maybe, maybe, but I, I like Newman a little bit more. That's to- totally fair. Um, so you were a little dismissive of the the cornerbacks in general, and I, you didn't pick uh, Charles Tillman. So that was my guy, uh, Charles Peanut Tillman. I thought in my mind when I when I was thinking about this list, I thought he was a safety, uh, at least you mm-hmm. know the way I remembered him. But no, he was listed as a cornerback. He played left and right cornerback uh, for twelve years with the Bears. He had one year with the Panthers at the end of his career. But I'm surprised. To be he honest, didn't I don't. I, I, I'm to be honest. I I didn't remember him having a huge prime. I didn't even know he played 12 years in the league. I thought he was like good on the bears for like two, three years. And that's what I remember about him. And then I was like, yeah, I, I was like, I'll just take Terrence Newman. Cause he, I, I feel like he was more consistent throughout his career, but you tell me, you tell me, break it down for us. Yeah. I mean, so Tillman, he was, you know, just a two time, all, uh, one time, all pro two time pro bowler. Uh, but he was just like a turnover machine. And that was what was most, um, you know, like stuck in my mind. So he played, uh, you know, I get 12 years with the Bears, one year with the, the the Panthers, and he had 38 interceptions, which is – I'm not sure where that puts him all time. But he was famous for the peanut punch. Do you remember the peanut punch where he would come in as – he would either hold up the tackler and he would come in and punch down on the ball, and he would force a ton of fumbles. And I was like, okay, let's see what a ton of fumbles means. And he is tied for sixth all time in forced fumbles. If you look at the rest of the list, he is the look the guys in front of him, Robert Mathis, defensive end, Julius Peppers, John Abraham, Dwight Freeney, Jason Taylor, all defensive end slash outside linebackers, uh Chris Dolman, another linebacker, Bruce Smith, Derek Thomas. You know, there's all these guys that are in that list and they're all defensive end pass rushers because of course they're getting strip sacks, which is a little bit easier than punching a fum- a ball out in the open field. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. He's 
<laughs> 44. That's impressive. She's I'm, I'm sure the next like I'm sure the next cornerback is like another like 50 spots down or something. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I'm gonna have to look. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's anybody else. Like I'm looking. I guess Charles Charles Woodson is 20th all time. Okay, 33. Okay, so but he yeah. played like 20 years. He played like 20 uh, years to, yeah. to Tillman's you know 11 or 12. So he was just a turnover machine, and that's why I was surprised you were kind of dismissive of him. Uh, but yeah, I, I, he was a great player. He wasn't an amazing cover corner, but he was again a turnover machine with a ton of interceptions and a ton of, uh, of fumbles, forced fumbles. Uh, so we're going to our last pick, and that is uh, the safety position. I'm surprised you went this way, uh, but I'll let you uh, explain your logic here. Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously, there's two very clear choices here. Uh, I went Troy Polamalu who was drafted in 2003 with pick number 16. You know, I, I really, obviously there's a debate between him and the guy you took here. Uh, Paul Malu was a defensive player of the year in 2010. He's a six-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler. You know, he, he kind of redefined the safety position, I would say. He was a guy who would, he could cover. He could come out of nowhere and pop a guy. He could blitz out of the safety spot. He could play against the run. So I think he kind of redefined the safety spot. And for me, that was... Uh, worthy of taking him over the guy you're going to take here. But um, I I mean, either one, you couldn't go wrong, honestly. Honestly, you can't go wrong with either one of those guys. You you definitely can't. And I think uh, there are two different styles. Um, So we'll say my guy was Ed Reed. So already a Hall of Famer, one of the best defensive backs of all time, one of the uh, biggest turnover machines of all time. So he's tied for uh, seventh all-time in interceptions with 64 uh, so obviously ton of turnovers there force fumbles. He had 11, so not bad, but the difference, uh, well, actually let me finish up the rest of his accolades cause they're incredible. Uh, so obviously already a hall of famer, nine time, all pro, uh, sorry, nine time pro bowler, five time, all pro member of the 2000s decade team, uh, rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year in 2004. Uh, he played for three teams. Most of his career with, was with Baltimore and then his last year, just like Terrell Suggs, uh, split his time between uh, Houston and the New York Jets. But I think they're just really interesting studies in different styles, right? And just completely opposite styles. When you think of Paul Malo, you think of the physicality that he brought to the game. You think of him blitzing. Uh, my In my mind, when I picture him, it's him timing the snap and jumping over the quarterback on a quarterback or jumping onto a quarterback for the quarterback sneak and stopping that short. Um, and then of course the hair flowing in the wind and then Ed Reed, you just think of him as being an absolute ball Hawk, just picking guys off 60, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards downfield. Um, what I really, what one of the things that really sticks in my mind about Ed Reed was, I think it was this year or a couple years ago, um, uh, he was having he did an interview with Bill Belichick where they were doing like the NFL all-time team and he told this story about how he used to make mistakes on purpose when playing against Peyton Manning in order to bait him into throwing an interception so i forgot exactly what the setup was but it was just you know he would see the Colts run this 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 route package and he would purposely make a mistake and act like he misread the coverage. And then the next time they ran it, he would bait Peyton Manning and then he ended up making an interception like 50 yards downfield. And I remember Crazy. Bill, Chel- playing, Bill Belichick playing mind games there. 
Yeah, dude. So you think of Peyton Manning as one of the smartest, if not the smartest quarterback of all time. And this guy's he's getting outsmarted by this DB. And I remember Bill Belichick just had like this huge smile on his face, <laughs> which is a big deal because he's one of the few guys that uh, I think Bill Belichick really respected. And I think the another story from that interview was um, he would talk about the games that they would play against the Ravens and everything that they did on offense was basically look for 20 look for number 20 and go wherever he is not. And you think about that defense that had Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis. And no, the guy that dictated what the offense was doing was, was Ed Reed. So yeah, he's already a hall of famer. I'm pretty sure your guy will be a hall of famer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, Paulo Malu, you know, because of the way he played, got injured quite a bit. So his stats took a little bit of hit of that. So he'll, he'll get in there though, for sure. Yeah, didn't have as long of a career um, as we would have hoped. He played, I think, nine years or 11 years uh, with the, the Steelers, but missed a couple years in the end there. But yeah, just, you know, maybe we maybe for the next one, we do a strong safety and a free safety just to, to mix yeah, things up. Yeah, yeah let's, let's uh, mix it up for sure. But yeah, hell of a team. Uh, so do you want to do a quick run back of your team? Yeah, let's let's do this. Okay, so starting at quarterback, I went Tom Brady, wide receivers, Larry Fitzgerald, Reggie Wayne, running back, LaDainian Tomlinson, tight end, Jason Witten, uh, flex position, Andre Johnson, offensive lineman, off- or guard, Steve Hutchinson, uh, offensive tackle, Jason Peters, defensive lineman, Kevin Williams, defensive end, Julius Peppers, Linebacker, Brian Erlacher. Uh, the second linebacker, Terrell Suggs. Cornerbacks, Asante Samuel, Terrence Newman. And then safety, rounding it out with Troy Palomalu. Incredible team. And remember, Salman had first pick on every position, just so you remember. Yeah, <laughs> so it wouldn't be even fair team. to ask people. Yeah, it wouldn't be even fair to be like, oh, who has the better team? Because I got first pick in every <laughs> position. So, I mean, my guys, aside from quarterback, I think I have a pretty good case. Um but yeah, so my quarterback, Drew Brees. My wide receivers are Steve Smith Sr. and Anquan Bolden. My running back is Jamal Lewis. My tight end is Dallas Clark. My flex position is running back, Sean Alexander. Uh, my two offensive linemen, Chris Snee and Matt Light. My two defensive linemen are Richard Seymour and Dwight Freeney. My linebackers are Lance Briggs and Carlos Dansby. And my defensive backs are Namdi Asamoa, Charles Tillman, and Ed Reed. So did you have anybody, maybe one or two guys that you were debating over and really wanted to include but couldn't? Uh, I mean, I think you kind of took the guys that I would have included and stuff like that, and we kind of talked about a couple of guys here uh, earlier on. So I don't think I have anyone else that I would have said, oh, yeah, for sure I want to get them, but uh, maybe some quarterbacks but or running backs, but no, no one that comes top of mind right now. Yeah, I think for me it was just Steven Jackson at running back. I, he did have a really long, really consistent career. And then at quarterback, I debated uh, probably Eli Manning or Ben Roethlisberger over Drew Brees. I think it's pretty closer than pretty close, but just went with basically yeah. the, the oh wrong another guy throw, Yeah, another guy throughout their call is Justin Smith at defensive end. But oh, there you go. Yeah, that's yeah. one of your boys. <laughs> one of my boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I think we covered it. Yeah, yeah, I think we did. And it was, again, much easier to do with a half-decade team. So we'll be coming out. We'll try to focus on half-decades here and there because, again, just doing that whole decade was really, really hard. And we ended up leaving some Hall of Famers um, off the list. So 
that's it for our show. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out. Make sure to uh, leave us a review. Follow the podcast wherever you find your podcast. We are just about everywhere. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media. We're also just about everywhere there. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at 4040 Vision Pod. So make sure you uh, follow and subscribe to us there. Thanks, y'all.